Hello, friends. Welcome back to Word of Victory. God bless you today. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for this time of Bible study together, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we seek to honor you, Lord Jesus. We seek to lift up your name. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I praise you and I thank you, Jesus, that as we lift up your name today, as we magnify you, as we exalt you, Lord Jesus, that you are uh, responding to us, Father, in the name of Jesus, through your power, through your glory, through your love, through your peace, through the revelation of your spirit, Lord, and the revelation of your word. We praise you and we thank you today, Lord. We thank you for opening up our spiritual eyes that we may see in the spirit. We thank you, Lord, today for opening our spiritual ears that we may hear your voice today and receive understanding by the power of your spirit of your word in Jesus name and we just pray together Father God I just release myself right now from everything that's been going on with me in the world system in my life Lord I bring those things to you that I've been worried about that I am stressing about I bring all fear all terror all anxiety to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you did not give me a spirit of fear. You have given me the spirit of, uh, you have given me your power and, Lord Jesus, your love and your anointing so that fear has no power over me, I decree in Jesus' name. You know, he did not give you the spirit of fear. He has given you the spirit of power, of love, of a sound mind, and of self-control. And Father, today, in the name of Jesus, I choose to listen to your word. I choose to believe your word. And I choose to do your word in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friend. I want to pray today just a blessing over you and it comes from the book of Philippians so if you can go there with me please you can read along and I just pray this today in Jesus name it's in Philippians chapter 1 and it is verse I'm going to start at verse 2 praise God give you a second to get there hallelujah Lord we thank you for this is the day you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we praise you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your mighty blessing today in Jesus' name. So grace to you, I pray, in the name of Jesus, and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, dear friend, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you, for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love <clears throat> excuse me, may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, and that you may be filled with all the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you receive that today, and I, I praise God and I thank him for you, friend. I thank him for your faithfulness and in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to um, 
Psalm 138. <clears throat> I'm just going to clear my throat. Excuse me for a second. <coughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Psalm 138. This scripture has been on my heart this week. That he has exalted his word above all his name. And we find it here in Psalm 138. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name. For your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me, and you made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. When they hear the words of your mouth, yes, they shall sing all the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Praise God. What promises are, are the Lord has laid out there for us? His loving kindness and his truth. He makes us bold with strength in our inner being in our in our soul when we cry out to him he answers us praise god and even though we might be going through trouble even though we might be you know feeling weak and weary and discouraged and disappointed or grieved in some way he will revive us praise god allow the spirit of god today to revive you friend by the power of his word we think of, you know, maybe uh, the tires on your car and, and when they run down, you know, they, they, the pressure goes down in them and, and suddenly they're kind of heavy and saggy and you just, you know, they just don't look right and they don't feel right when you're driving the car. But when you go and you pump up that tire again, it is refreshed and revived. It is perked up again <laughs> and, and, and ready for road. And that's what God's word does for you. And that's what he wants to do for you today. He will perfect that which concerns you. But listen, you need to shed the load, shed the burden that is trying to wear you down. Because the enemy tries to bring things upon us where we are carrying that load by ourselves. And as we've seen the last few weeks, you know, that yoke that the enemy tries to harness people with, it, it brings a weight and a load. And Jesus said, you know, come to me and, and y if you are weary. And believe me, all of us are weary. Even the most energetic and dynamic person among us. Listen, we only have human strength and we run out of our human strength. But God, he promises us that he is our strength. He is our refuge in times of trouble. He is the one where we can be refreshed and revived. And he is the one who takes that yoke and, and that burden and lifts it from us. 
because we are not, we were never meant to carry uh, yokes and burdens. We were never, our bodies are not meant for stress. That's why people, you know, bodies fall into dis-ease, dis-ease. Because stress is the root cause of so many issues and problems in the body. So many uh, diseases, so many uh, mental health problems are caused by stress, by worry, by burdens, by griefs that uh, we cannot carry by ourselves. And this is why it is rampant in society right now, because society and, and, and the world system, uh, you know, the media uh, has, has taught people Listen, you don't need God. And, and they have made idols out of self. And right now, you know, uh, for the first couple of weeks of this, of this virus, people were very aware of God. And, you know, is God doing this? Is, is this the end of the world? Is this, is this God somehow telling us that he's angry with us? And, and there was all these kind of, of um, you know, theories about like that. And... You know, what I've noticed is, is that people <clears throat> at the start of this virus were very um, mindful of the things of God. But right now, what I see the last couple of weeks is, we will get through this. We will make it together. You can do this. You have strength inside of yourself. You know, you will get strength from other people. And yes, of course that is true, that we are to encourage each other and lift each other up. But listen, without God, it's all just wind and confusion and air. It's all just babble. Because at the end of the day, when people are on their own, and <clears throat> and face the issues and the burdens and the situations that they're facing. They face them alone. And that's the thing, you know, friend. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's through Jesus we get rest. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. He, it's his peace that is the peace that transcends all understanding. And he promises you in Philippians 4, 19, I think it is, <clears throat> that when you give all your burdens to the Lord, that what happens is he gives you his peace. Actually, let's go there and read it for ourselves. Philippians chapter 4. We're finished in Psalm 138. So he has exalted his word above all his name. Don't forget that scripture <laughs> because it's a theme for today. He has exalted his word above all his name. And you know, Jesus, one of his names is the word of God. He is the word and the word uh, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Um, he is the word of God. Anyway, let's look at Philippians 4 now that I've gone off tangent and off my notes. <laughs> let's wing it. In uh, Philippians 4, sorry, it's verse 6, not 19. What's 19? Oh, and my God shall supply all your needs. <laughs> we'll read that in a second. Let's go to 6 first. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
I love it in the Amplified. I learnt it years ago. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And God's peace, which transcends all understanding, it transcends your understanding. It transcends human reasoning and human thought and human wisdom. God's peace transcends it because it is supernatural and it cannot be discovered with the mind. It has to be spiritually discerned. The things of God are spiritually discerned. They are foolishness to the mind. But God's peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So you have this picture here of God's peace entering into somebody where they have given him the things that were worrying them <clears throat> and the things that were, were causing them to be under pressure or stressed. And his peace comes in and builds up instead of a stronghold of fear, uh, it builds up a stronghold, a garrison. A garrison is a military, is a military base. It is well guarded. So you have this picture of, of God's peace suddenly building, a, you know, almost like a military camp around your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Okay, so that's the key. It's in Christ. And you can go on here in verse 8. And we, I think we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Hallelujah. You know, it's so important that when we dig out the garbage, when we dig out the weeds and the things that have been choking the word of God, the things that have been have been suffocating you. You you dig those things out and you give them to the Lord and you just uh, refuse to walk in those things anymore but you need to fill up that hole with something so you fill it up with the peace of God you allow his peace to come in you believe his word you trust him and then you think about things that are praiseworthy that are good that are noble and that are true and when when the when those um horrible thoughts or fearful thoughts or or anxious thoughts or or maybe um obsessive compulsive thoughts come back you know to, to try and harass you again you say no I'm not taking that. And you just turn from it and say, no, I'm not taking it in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you. Your word says that you will perfect that which concerns me. You said, Lord Jesus, you give me your beauty for ashes. You find the word of God. And it, is it a battle? Yes, you can be sure of it. Joyce Meyer wrote a book years ago. And I think many millions of people throughout the world have been blessed by it. And if, if obsessive compulsive thoughts are a problem for you, you know, are, are, are stressful, worrying thoughts, I encourage you to get a copy of that book. Um, it's called uh, Battlefield of the Mind. And it's a simple book. In fact, I'm sure if you Google um, and, and go on YouTube and type in Joyce Meyer, M-E-W-E-R, Sorry, M-E-Y-E-R, Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R, and Battlefield of the Mind. You'll find her teaching on it on YouTube. But, you know, the thing is, is that the enemy tries to harass people by wearing them down with racing thoughts over and over and over again. But look, this is this is what the bank says. This is what the doctor says. Oh, my God, this I'm frightened that this might happen to me. And, and these thoughts come racing over and over again. Listen, friend, 
at some point you're going to have to deal with it. And many people have dealt with it through medication and have, you know, medicated themselves. Doctors have medicated them. But you, you, like my mother always says, you can't meditate a spirit, medicate a spirit. You cannot medicate a spirit. That spirit of fear needs to be cast out and it needs to be replaced with what God says, with his word and with his peace and with uh, his promises to you. So you go and you find a scripture and you stand in it or you find a number of them. You write them out. You learn, you memorize the word of God. You memorize the scriptures. And then that is your armor for the day of the battle. That's all I can say to you. That's all, That's what I had to do. And I can stand here and vouch and say, that's the only thing that ever helped me and worked for me and brought soundness and wholeness into my heart and my mind. Praise God. And, um, you know, Paul, when he wrote this book to Philippians, to the church in Philippi, he went on to say, you know, uh, I, I learned the one thing he says in 11, I speak in regard to need for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And you see, contentment is 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 a wonderful state to be in because very often you will be in the middle of a battle and everything around you is not good. It's difficult, difficult circumstances. But God's peace, what it does is when when his peace is is how we live, um, you know, when when we fill our thoughts and fill our mind with his word, his peace comes in and keeps us stable in our heart and in our mind. And there's a contentment that comes there that, yes, things are not right. And, and yes, I'm believing and waiting for a healing or a breakthrough or whatever it is, a relationship, a person in the family, whatever the situation is. But I am content because I know God is in charge and I know that he will perfect that which concerns me and he will bring me out of this situation. Paul said, I know how to be abased in verse 12 and I know how to abound. I know how to live in plenty and I know how to live in lack. And and he's not telling you here that, that you need to be, you know, embracing poverty or anything like that. In fact, you know, in in a way he is talking about financial things here, but in another way, you see, uh, living in lack um, and, and living in, in plenty doesn't have really anything to do with, with finances or money. It has to do with what's in your heart and what state you're in in your heart. Are you stable and are you fixed or are you stressed and, 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 and at dis-ease in your body and in your mind? He says, I know how to live in plenty and I know how to live in lack. Everywhere and I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Because why? In 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. He can do, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, no matter what the situation. And you may be living in lack, you may have a, a serious financial need, but listen, he goes on to say there in verse 19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply your needs when you put him first. When you, uh, you know, Give him the first fruits of your life. That is your whole heart. When you give him, 
when you make him first in your life, God will bring you whatever you need and he will bring you deliverance. And that's what I wanted to speak about today. We, we spoke the other day about deliverance from our enemies and we spoke about unforgiveness and bitterness. And today I want to speak about idolatry. And what we read in, in Psalm 138 is, is that God has exalted his word above all his name. Can we go to Exodus chapter 20? We're going back to see the commandments here. We're going to see in particular the first commandment and the second commandment. Praise God. Lord, we thank you. We praise you today. We bind all confusion right now. We bind all stress, every distraction, Lord, that the enemy is trying to cause. We renounce every spirit of Jezebel that would try and shut the, the mouth of the prophets, that would try and shut the word of God from going forth here today or from hindering us from hearing your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, we praise you and we thank you, Father. We bring every situation of each person here, Lord, every everything they're believing for, Father, I bring them before you today. And I thank you, Lord, that you will supply all their needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father, that our needs, Father God, uh, are met and, and paid in full in Jesus' name, whether it's sickness needing to be healed, whether it's relationships that need to be healed, whether it's finances that need to be healed, Lord, whether it's minds and hearts or physical bodies that need to be healed. I thank you today. You have the answer, Lord, because you are the answer. And the answer is in your word and your promises to us are yes and amen. Your promises are true. You are not a man that you should lie. And we put our trust in you today, Lord, and we cry out to you today, Lord, to open our understanding and let us hear, Father, and be taught in Jesus' name. Amen. I bind all offense right now in the name of Jesus. I break the power of every religious spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, I come against every uh, spirit of witchcraft or religion, Lord. I break its power in Jesus' name and I speak freedom in the spirit right now that each person will receive this word, Lord, and that we will receive breakthrough and healing, not just for us, but for our whole family system. In Jesus' name, amen. In Exodus chapter 20, uh, God, these are the commandments God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. And he said in verse, uh, let's read it from the start. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And the first commandment here is, you shall have no other gods before me. That is the first commandment, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. In, in the King James it says, worship no God but me. That's the first commandment. And number uh, verse four is the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So God's, God places um, such importance on his word and on obeying his word that there is consequences not just for me, but for my descendants, for my children and my children's children, 
to the third and fourth generations when I don't obey his word, when I put idols or put something before him. But blessing for my descendants and yours, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and my great-great-grandchildren for thousands of generations when I obey his word. Now, praise God, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So here, God differentiates. He he makes a difference between people who obey his word and worship only him. He recognizes that they love him. And for people who disobey his word and follow after other gods and bow down to them and serve them, he says that those people who do that hate God. He takes it as a personal affront. That's serious, friend. And I don't know about you, but I know that in our country, in Ireland, there is rampant idolatry. And I know that it is all over the world. It was in the Bible. It was in the Old Testament. It was what God constantly warned his people about. Do not follow after other gods to worship them. Do not bow down to them. Do not engage with them because they will bring curse upon you. It's quite simple, isn't it? Hallelujah. You know, uh, let me think now where we're going to go next. Idols. What is an idol? An idol is something or someone that I am trusting in other than God. So it is almost like, uh, you know, the first commandment is worship no God but me. And then the second commandment deals with those who will willfully go and worship the other gods. They are bringing an open door of curse into their family line. And we have this, you know, all over the world. Back along our family lines, our bloodlines, our ancestors, we have no idea the things they were engaged in, the practices they were engaged in. But let me tell you, it was handed down from generation to generation. Like he said, he visits the iniquities of the fathers to the third and fourth generations. Praise God. Idols are trusting in someone or something other than God. We have where people trust and idolize and worship and bow down before pictures of people who have died who have gone to heaven or who have gone to hell, who knows? We have people who idolize Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
Mary is not the mother of God. God has no mother. But Mary is the mother, the human mother, of Jesus, the man. Our Saviour. Mary herself said, My soul magnifies the Lord my Saviour. People worship and bow down before statues and before pictures of Mary. And they pray to Mary because they feel that it's an easier way of getting to God. Why is that? Because they've been taught that, you know, you, you're, not, you're, you're too worthless yourself and you can never come to God. Well, all of us, that's, that's all of us. We all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. But praise God, he made the way that we can come to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So if you have been taught, friend, that to, to pray to Mary um, will somehow get you some brownie points with God, that is actually an idol and it needs to be repented of. Idols are people, dead or alive. Many people make idols of dead relatives. They pray to them. They're taught to pray to them. The Lord said, why do you consult the dead on behalf of the living? He tells us have nothing to do with worship of the dead. That is an abomination before God and it needs to be repented of. And it's in plenty of our bloodlines. And, you know, this teaching here today is not a teaching of condemnation but it is a teaching that will bring freedom and breakthrough because it is something that we all need to take accountability for, the sins of the fathers and repent before God of idolatry and of bowing down and serving other gods, of running after them and of believing a lie. <clears throat> we have idols of self, pride, pride in myself, promotion, self-promotion. We have an idol of self in poor me, where where you've anger and bitterness, where people are consumed with that about all the things that happened to me. That's an idol and it needs to be repented of. Is it terrible the things that happened to you? Of course it is. But guess what? Jesus has cleansed you and made you whole. He wants to make you whole and fill you with his peace. So you have to let go the things of the past. You have to forgive in order to be forgiven. We have made idols of things, of money, silver, gold, status, celebrity and fame. We have bowed down to and worshipped, you know, people who, uh, pop stars, rock stars, uh, famous people are idolized and worshipped every day of the week. In this world. And our pastor Joe. God you know used to have a saying. And he used to say. All these people. They all put their pants on. One leg at the time. The same as you and me. You know every morning. and We put on our underwear. <laughs> we put on our jeans. We put on our trousers. We put on our, we put on our clothing. And we do it one leg at the time. Every one of us the same. You know, in heaven, there is no um, differentiation between people. There is no great ones and some, and, and some not great ones. We are all the same. When we go to heaven, 
we will bow before the throne, every one of us. Those who are on this earth uh, as the, you know, even royalty or, or they will all bow before the Lord if they have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The same as you and me, the same as uh, someone who lived homeless all their life. Because the only way to enter into the kingdom of God and enter into heaven and enter into eternal life is by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and accepting the sacrifice that he gave his life for you and for me and for each one of us. There will be no difference in heaven between doctors and PhDs and, and the man who, who collected your, your, your trash, your bin man. There will be no difference between one who sweeps the streets or one who minds children or one who, who has discovered great scientific breakthroughs. And, you know, there will be no difference. We are all kings and priests unto the Lord. You are not worthless. God created you for a purpose and he has put greatness inside of you. And the spirit of excellence, the Holy Spirit himself, lives inside of you, friend. And he has wondrous and amazing things for you to do for him, regardless of where you came from. And don't ever let anybody speak down to you, especially not the devil, tell you who do you think you are. You tell him who you are. I am a child of the Most High God. I encourage you. Um, you know that song from Hillsong? Who you say I am. I am a child of God. Google that as well. There's more homework for you. Who you say I am. We make idols out of places. Big idol in this country is land. Land and money. <laughs> land I own that that is mine that is mine it's all mine it was given to me by my father or worse still I made it myself I am self made this is all idolatry friend not just bowing down before pictures and statues we have many idols in our life and we need to repent of them Idolatry brings curse down the whole family line. It needs to be repented for. It needs to be redeemed and resolved for reconciliation and for healing to flow in the family. You see, everything can change with you. And we're going to pray today. And we're going to break all agreement with idolatry from our past, from our ancestors, from our forefathers. We don't know what went on hundreds of years ago. But I guarantee you, there is idolatry. Because, you know, while Moses was getting these commandments on Mount Sinai, the people were at the bottom of the mountain. And he was gone for 40 days. And they made a gold calf while he was gone to worship. Because they, we have been created to worship. And so when people don't know the Lord when they don't have a personal revelation or relationship with him, they have to worship something. So we don't judge people who worship, but we, we certainly we need to know the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth that you know and understand shall set you free. 
He said, my words are spirit and they are truth. So when we study God's word, what we're doing is we are refreshing ourselves, um, refreshing our, our, our hearts and our lives from things that have uh, that we have been handed down, the generations that we had no hand act um, or part of many times, but they are still there in our bloodline and they need to be repented of because they are still having consequences to the third and the fourth generation. It keeps going on and on and on. Okay. Praise God. Let's look at... Let's look at Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44. And I'm going to read it today from the NLT. So I'd like you to read with me from your Bible. I find the NLT is, um, especially maybe for somebody who's, who's lang- whose first language is not English, but, you know, it, it's, it's like an easy read version. Now, I'd always go back to the New King James and to my study Bible, um, you know, to just to to have many um to have the proper the proper translation but you know I do find the NLT is it's my most worn out bible because it's so easy to read okay um Isaiah 44 verse 6 this is what the lord says israel's king and redeemer the lord of heaven's armies i am the first and the last there is no other god who is like me Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times, when I established a people and explained its future. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No, there is no other rock, not one. How foolish are those who manufacture idols. These prized objects are really worthless. The people who worship idols don't know this, so they are all put to shame. Who but a fool would make his own God an idol that cannot help him one bit? All who worship idols will be disgraced, along with all these craftsmen, mere humans, who claim they can make a God. And I want you to notice that there, friend. All who worship idols will be disgraced. Jesus said, whoever puts their trust in me will never be put to shame, will never be disgraced. So the opposite of worshipping Jesus and and being given double honour is shame and dishonour and disgrace. And I believe that idolatry is a major door open to to Satan to bring shame and dishonor and disgrace. And many people have struggled their entire lives with shame, with worthlessness, with feeling less than other people. And they've no idea why. And it is coming down the generations from the idolatry that has gone on in the past. Okay, go back to that. They claim they can make a God. They may all stand together, but they will stand in terror and shame. 
the blacksmith stands at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding and shaping it with all his might. His work makes him hungry and weak. It makes him thirsty and faint. Then the woodcarver measures a block of wood and draws a pattern on it. He works with a chisel and plane and carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars. He selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it he warms himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true, he takes the rest of it and makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. So he burns part of the tree to roast his meat and keep himself warm. He says, ah, the fire feels good. Then he takes what's left and makes his god a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshipping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says, you are my God. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect. Why, it's just a block of wood. I burned half it for heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a god? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor, deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that cannot help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? You see, with idolatry comes deception. And friend, oh... This is why people have no idea what's happening to them. They're completely clueless. In fact, the the word of God calls them a fool. It makes people who are probably highly intelligent, but it makes them fools because it deceives them. And it's in today's world, I see, you know, it's promoted everywhere you go. You you see... um, <clears throat> you know, idols, uh, statues and pictures of, of, of great people, of, of, as I said, of, of Mary, Jesus' mother, of, of people who lived godly lives um, and who died and who are veneered or venerated, sorry, not veneered, venerated, <laughs> uh, you know, as, as being somebody that, that should be prayed to. You see it in, in, in the Middle East and in, in the Far East, with, with Buddha and, and all different household idols. And, and people are trusting in these things and bowing down before them. And they are an abomination to God. And it needs to be repented of. And they need to be thrown out. In Isaiah 41 verse 29, it says they are worthless, nothing Their molded images are wind and confusion. And you see a real spirit of confusion um, comes on people because, you know, they they just, they can't see. Like we read there, their eyes are closed, their ears are shut. The the idolatry brings almost uh, a deaf and dumb spirit really with it. 
and it needs to be cast out. In Psalm 115 and Psalm 135, you have um, an excerpt. In Psalm 135, it's in verse 15. The idols of nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. You see, this is what an idol is, friend. It's the work of a man's hand. And it is not God. He said, worship no God but me. He told, Jesus told his followers in Matthew chapter 6 and 7, not to be worrying and not to be trying to figure out their life and, and trying to see, you know, how will we eat? How will we, how will we have enough? He said, don't worry about those things. God will look after you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And all these things shall be added unto you. So God will supply your needs. We read it already in Philippians. When you uh, go after the things of God and when you give him your whole heart, your whole heart, when you put him first, he will look after you. He will be your, there's no point, you know, in, in having one toe in, in idolatry and one toe in the kingdom of God. Because you know what will happen? You'll fall down into the splits and you'll look very silly. Somebody who, um, and I wish I could show you this now, but, you know, if you put one foot over here, uh, <clears throat> you stretch out your, your right foot and then stretch out your left foot. <laughs> Suddenly there's a big triangle in between your legs and you try and walk like that. You know, you're going to look, you're going to look quite odd. You can't serve both God and mammon, Jesus told us. What he was saying is you can't have idols in your life. You can't worship money, status, power, greed, um, celebrity, fame, fortune. You cannot worship the things of man's hands and worship God at the same time. Either you will love the one and hate the other. We already saw that in Exodus. God said, people who worship idols, who bow down before something and worship and, and, and you know, um, acknowledge it, have it in their home, have it, uh, you know, in their hearts. You cannot love God if you do that. This is difficult. You know, it's difficult for people because they're things that people have been trusting in. They've been handed down generation after generation. But we see here in Psalm 135 and Psalm 115, they are the work of men's hands. They are not God. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. Eyes they have, it says actually, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. And so is everyone who trusts in them. And this is why people who are involved in idolatry find it very difficult to receive the word of God. They find it difficult because they've been trusting in something that was made by man. And they have been deceived. They have been deluded. They have been made as fools who cannot see and who cannot hear. And that veil of idolatry needs to be lifted and repented for in order that they can partake in the kingdom of God and understand the things of God. In Jeremiah, can we go to the book of Jeremiah, please? Now, Jeremiah, 
you know, he he has a lot to say about idolatry. Um, in fact, Jeremiah seven and it's all about, you know, worshiping the Queen of Heaven. Uh, Mary is not the Queen of Heaven. There is no Queen in Heaven. There is only God. Go read it. Yeah. Jeremiah 7. Right now I just want to go to Jeremiah chapter 16. <clears throat> Hallelujah. In Jeremiah chapter 16 verse 19. O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come to you from the ends of the earth and say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthlessness and unprofitable things. Will a man make gods for himself, which are not gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Hallelujah. So you see there, we inherited lies and worthless things and unprofitable things from our fathers, from our ancestors. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to insult anybody's mother or father or nana or granddad here. I, you know, but the things that were handed down from generation to generation, they were based upon man's work and, and the lies of Satan behind it in order to turn people's hearts away from worshipping God and putting him first. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, just over the page, um, God is talking here about them, you know, following the, the evil dictates in their own hearts. But he says in 15, Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 15, because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to worthless idols and they have caused themselves to stumble in their ways. Idolatry causes stumbling. It causes people to, to fail and to not succeed. They have caused themselves to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths. God, God's ways are the ancient paths. And idolatry causes people to come off that path that God has for their lives. It causes them to turn away from him and to follow after false gods. To walk in pathways and not on a highway. To make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. Many people cry out to God, God, why are you doing this? God, why is this happening to me? And, you know, because of idolatry in their lives, they have one toe in one part of what they think is the kingdom of God, but it's, it's idolatry and ritual and, and, and empty formulas, worthless idols. And they have another toe where they really do seek God. But he said, I will turn my back on them. I will forsake them. And listen, friend, that's what Jesus was doing up on the cross. 
He was all alone on that cross. And he all alone took our sins, took our idolatry, took every horrible thing that we have ever done or been involved with or every horrible thing that was ever done to us. He took it on himself at the cross and he was forsaken. God turned his back on him. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God showed him the back and not the face. The face of God represents his favor. And later on, you know, uh, in this podcast, Richard, our spiritual father, really, he's an elder in our church. He is a, a mighty man of God. And he, you know, we, we, he, at church, he gives us the ironic blessing, the father's blessing. And he will do that today again at the end here. And he's also, you know, um, reading, I think, Psalm 23 today. But, you know, he prays the father's blessing. God, that you may shine, your, your face may shine upon them. When, when God's face is shining upon you, you are surrounded with his favor and his blessing. A father who loves his child, you know, has that child on his lap, snuggled into his arms and, you know, looking straight into his face and loving him. There's, there's love coming and emanating from his face. But when someone turns their back on you, that's an insult and it means they're forsaking you. And that's what Jesus endured on the cross. And he endured that for you and for me and for our sins and for the things that have been handed down our family line. Praise God. Okay, let's look at John chapter 5. Praise God. In John chapter 5, um, it's talking about the fourfold witness. And Jesus was talking about how John witnessed about him and about how the word of God witnesses about Jesus. But the people didn't believe him. In verse, uh, this is John 5, verse 37. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Jesus is saying here, you, you've been searching the scriptures, looking for your Messiah, looking for your Savior, looking for a way for you to be saved from your sins, and all the time you've missed it, because I am there. The word of God has been testifying about me. He has exalted his word above all his name. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. But if another comes in his own name, him you will receive you know, how easy it is for people to follow after idols. Our hearts are so fickle, you know, that we, that we can run after a, a man. And yet, 
ignore or turn our back on the Son of God? How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? What Jesus is saying here is, you know, like um, John 3 says, Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world. He came that we would be saved. And that's why he went to the cross, to save us from our sins, to save us from uh, having to pay the price. The penalty that was due to us was death. He went to the cross and he died and he suffered for us so that we could be set free. But he is not accusing us. In fact, he's standing right now at God's right hand in heaven, interceding for us, interceding for those ones who have turned their back on God, those ones who give the fingers to God every day and mock him and spit in his face even today. Jesus is still interceding for them. But the word of God, which the devil knows off by heart, is what the enemy the accuser of the brethren is using in heaven to accuse you and to accuse me. And maybe it's not sin that we're involved in right now. Maybe, you know, because we have uh, received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we've repented of our sins. But in First John chapter 1, it says, let's go there actually just to explain this before I, before I mess it up. <laughs> in First John chapter 1. John's epistle at the back of the Bible, 1 John chapter 1. Let's read it from 5 down to, to um, 10. This is the message which you have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's iniquities. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, all of us know that scripture, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We confess our sins to God. Your sins are nobody's business but God's. And you bring them to God. You do not bring them to a man. You bring them to God. There is no mediator. No middleman. The only mediator between us and God is the man, Christ Jesus. You bring them to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for my sins. But... Not only our sins, but he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That is, the iniquities. So the things that have come down the generation, the things we've been involved with that we didn't even know were sins, the things that our ancestors were involved with. Maybe you've had no idolatry in your life, but perhaps it's there in the bloodline. And the enemy is before the throne of God today, bringing accusations against you out of the word of God. Hey, you said they're to worship no God but you. But guess what? Back in their bloodline, their ancestors worshipped pagan gods. 
We need to repent of that and we're going to do it in a minute. Come back to me. God bless you. Welcome back, friends. So we're going to break bread today and we're going to repent of idolatry, um, of the things that we have idolized in our lives, the things that we have put before God or that have been uh, idolized in our ancestors' line, uh, bloodlines, back along, our forefathers, our foremothers. <clears throat> and we're going to break and renounce every agreement with idolatry, with idolatry of self, with pride or promotion, self-promotion, with anger or bitterness or offense or strife, because that is a form of idolatry, with uh, worshipping people, dead or alive, idolizing them, bowing down to them, praying to them, trusting in them. We're going to repent for idolatry of things, of money, of the God of mammon, of, of uh, you know, because you see, there's nothing wrong with money. We need money. But it's the love of money. Um, and many people quote that scripture and they quote it wrong because they say, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. Money uh, is used for good and for evil. But it's the love of money is the root of all evil. So we're going to repent for that and repent for idolatry even of, of you know, place, of land, um, of, 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 you know, having lots of stuff, power and greed. And we're going to renounce those things. Jesus um, said, you know, he said, I have come to you and, and the devil has nothing in me. Satan has nothing in me. And what he meant by that, um, in fact, a couple of times when he cast out demons, they said, what have you got? You know, what have we got in common with you, Jesus, the son of God? Satan had nothing in common with Jesus because he lived a perfect, sinless life. And as I said earlier, um, if you look at it in, in, where is it, in Zechariah, I think, um, in Zechariah 3, it says about Satan coming before the Lord in heaven and, and accusing uh, people, accusing, in, in that instance, he was accusing uh, the high priest, but he accuses us out of the word of God for sins and for things that have gone on, iniquities that have come down the generations, that have, things that have gone on in our bloodlines, in our family, back hundreds or thousands of years. We have no concept of what our ancestors were involved with. But we need to repent for it and take accountability for it and break the consequences of it over us and over our children. And it stops at the blood of Jesus. It stops at us. Hallelujah. So that's what Satan does. It says in Revelation chapter um, 10, isn't it? Or, uh, the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So you see, Satan is the accuser who goes before God. It's, it was in Job as well, in the book of Job. Satan came before God and said, you know, uh, that Job, he doesn't, he doesn't praise you for nothing. You've surrounded him with a hedge, you know, but he came before God to accuse him, 
to accuse Job before God. And he's doing that about you, friend, and about me. And that is why we need the blood of Jesus. That is why we need a full revelation of what Jesus did for us at the cross. And when we take the bread and when we take the cup, we're remembering what Jesus did for us, how he gave his body, his life for us. We, When we have accepted Jesus, we become part of the body of Christ. And we spoke about this in the last podcast in, in Corinthians 11. When um, when Paul chastised them and said, listen, you're eating uh, and drinking the cup and the bread in an unworthy manner because you are not discerning the body of Christ. as The relationship we have with each other as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, we cannot partake of the communion table if we have anything in our heart against anybody especially those in the body, those, uh, you know, and this is why he said many of you are weak and many of you have many have already died because they are eating and drinking judgment upon themselves. God is very serious and the cup and the bread is, is, is the, the high point of our faith because what we're doing when we take that bread is we're saying, Lord Jesus, you gave up your life for me. Your body was bruised, was battered, was mutilated and, and was broken so that I could be healed, so that I could receive healing and wholeness in my mind, in my heart, in my relationships, in my physical body, in my finances, in every part of my life. The chastisement that was upon him, or sorry, the chastisement that was upon you, one second, I actually have to leave my dog out the door. <laughs> Excuse me. Out you go, Coco. Oh, gosh. Sorry about that. <laughs> and he was so good. Things were going so well. Uh, Isaiah 53, verse 5, says, He was pierced. He, they nailed him to the cross for our transgressions, for our sins. He was pierced. He was bruised and beaten for our uh, iniquities, the things that have come down the generations upon us, the things we were involved with, the things that were done to us. That is why he was bruised and beaten. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, upon Jesus, and by his stripes we are healed. So as we take that bread, we are eating uh, in remembrance of what Jesus did and saying, Lord Jesus, you're the one who caused me to be healed and made whole by your sacrifice. And when we take the cup, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have sinned, but now I have been cleansed of my sin because you took them for me on the cross and you cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And I receive your forgiveness today. I repent and I receive that forgiveness and I, I could never save myself. You see, we read earlier that these idols are the works of men's hands and man, since the garden, has been trying to cover himself up and to, to, to cover up our shame. But you see, we could never do that. We could never make ourselves right with God. We could never make ourselves holy. I'm not holy, but because of the blood of Jesus, he has made me holy. He has made me righteous. He has forgiven my sins. And as far as the east is from the west, that's how far my sins have gone. And you cannot measure from east to west. Try it. You can't do it. Praise God. So that's why we take the bread and the cup of communion. 
And today we're going to do it and we're going to break that idolatry in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a piece of bread here. You know, it says, and the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. He broke it. He gave thanks for it. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat for this is my body, which is given for you. In, in Corinthians, Paul says, this is my body, which is broken for you. You know, none of his bones were broken, but his life was broken for us. They spat at him. Imagine, they spat in his face. It wasn't just one, and it wasn't just a little spit. I, I, I'm no good at spitting. <laughs> I'm one of those, you know, you see <laughs> funny um, uh, pictures or movies where people try to spit and it, it sort of hangs off their lip or something. But, you know, there's others who are good spitters. But you can be sure in an army battalion, three of them, there was some pretty good spitters there. But they spat in Jesus' face. Imagine that. They spat in his face. They mocked him. They reviled him. They shamed him. They humiliated him. They stripped him naked. And they beat him. They blindfolded him and they said, Who hit you now? Prophecy to us. Tell us, who hit you now? Imagine that. The shame he went through. And he went through that shame so that we could be released from shame. Shame is toxic. It's toxic. And it needs to be released out of your life and out of your cell memories even. Because you know your body is such a chemical plant. And, and your cells uh, retain memories from things that happened in the past. Good and bad. And, and uh, you know, I often quote her and I quote it again. But Joyce Meyer says, negative emotions buried alive never die. I always remember to that. There are things that have happened to us in the past. Disappointments, griefs, sorrows, sadness, loss of expectation, times of hopelessness or times of, of, of pain, woundings, abuse, neglect, shame. Those things have marked us and scarred our hearts. And our, mem our cells have retained those memories and they need to be released out of our lives. And not just us, but you know, those things happened to our fathers and our mothers and our forefathers and our foremothers. Who knows what kind of things they went through. And those things are handed down in the DNA from generation to generation as iniquities. And they need to be renounced and released out of our lives. So that's what we're going to do today. Amen. Praise God. And we're going to take this bread and this cup and remember what Jesus did for us because it's only him who is the one who makes us clean, who washes us and who makes us whole. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other font I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. So we'll take this bread today, friend, if you have it there with you. Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you, Father, today. Lord, we say this together. Father God, you are my refuge and you are my strength. 
I thank you today, Lord. I thank you, Father, for breakthrough in my life today in the name of Jesus. I come to you just as I am, Lord Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I repent, Lord, of all of my sins. I repent of the sin of idolatry in my life and in the lives of my forefathers and foremothers and my ancestors. In Jesus' name, I renounce idolatry in my family bloodline. I repent of it, I renounce it, and I revoke every agreement between me and my family and the worship of false gods. I break every attachment between me and my family and the idols that that have been worshipped in my life or in my ancestors' lives. And I break their influence over me and the consequences and results of that idolatry over me and my children and my descendants in the name of Jesus. I shut the door and I take back my authority from you, Satan, through the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me from darkness, from sin, from death, from idolatry. And I thank you for reconciling me to my Father in heaven. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are my Savior. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead for my justification so that I could be made righteous. And I take this bread today in remembrance of what you did. And as I eat this bread, I eat understanding of what you were achieving for me and the benefits that you won for me at the cross, Jesus. I praise you with my whole life. I give you my whole heart. And I thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. We can eat the bread now. Hallelujah. Now we take the cup. It can be just a cup of juice or a drop of water, whatever. It's, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we're remembering his sacrifice. We're doing it in remembrance of him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Praise God. So we judge ourselves. That's why we take communion, why we take the cup and the the bread. We examine ourselves. And it's not a one-time thing that you do. 
you know, we need to live a lifestyle of repentance, a lifestyle of, of obeying God's word. We need to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And many people, you know, they know the word off by heart and they can rattle off scriptures here, there and everywhere. And yet their hearts are far from God. We need to make sure that we are, you know, stable and fixed and focused on, on his word and worshipping only God. Amen. So we take this cup today. It's the cup of the new covenant of your blood, Jesus. We say it together, Lord Jesus, I declare you are my Lord. You are Lord over all of my life. I give you my whole heart. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving me and for making me right with God because I could never save myself. There is nothing I could do. There is no idol I could ever worship. There is no one I could ever pray to that would ever make me right with God but you, Jesus. And I thank you today as I take this cup. I do it in remembrance of you. I proclaim your death and your resurrection until you come again. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. You can take the cup. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Father. You know, in 1 John chapter 5, 1 John, um, John's epistle, in chapter 5, and reading it from the NLT, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. So that's what Paul was saying there as well in, in Corinthians, you know, is that we discern the Lord's body. We have love for each other. Not condemnation, not judging, not fault-finding, not criticizing, but not cursing, but loving each other. Oops, I must put my glasses back on. Um, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. It's our faith that brings us into the kingdom of God, our faith in Jesus Christ, just believing in him. And, you know, that's what Jesus said when we read earlier in John's Gospel, chapter five, is that he said, you don't believe in me. You're searching the scriptures for me and I am there. Excuse me. I am there everywhere, but you don't believe in me. That's the only thing he asks people to do. Only believe. Because when we believe in him, we obey his word and his word is not burdensome then. For every child of God, in verse, this is 1 John 5 verse 4. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and the blood. And the spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the spirit, the water and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. 
and God has testified about his Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Amen. In Jesus' name. So we believe today, Lord, that we have eternal life because we have you, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, friend. I, I pray today for your your family, for your relationships, for your finances, for your health, your physical body, for your mind and your emotions and your heart. I pray the blessings of God upon you today. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would grow in the knowledge of God. I pray for breakthrough for you today. In Jesus' name, for those things you're believing God for. I thank you, Father, for mighty breakthrough for each one of my friends here. In Jesus' name. And I want to pray... Um, from Colossians chapter 1 for you in, in verse 9 Colossians 1 9 I ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding and that the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and that your lives will produce every kind of good fruit and all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better I pray that you would be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ Jesus, he is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Hallelujah. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead or for the firstborn of the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You know, you are a friend of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He reconciled you back to the Father as his child and as his friend. And that's where you are today. You are a child of God. You are an overcomer. And there is nothing impossible to you because you believe in him. Because for God, with God, all things are possible. And I pray today for the spirit of breakthrough, the spirit of increase. I pray for healing the power of, of the cross of Jesus Christ, for his healing power to flow in your body from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I pray for healing in your relationships. I pray for abundance in your finances, in your work, no matter what is going on right now with your job or your business. I pray for turnaround and breakthrough in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in each one of these, my friends, and he quickens and gives life to them in their mortal body. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friend. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8 And the Lord, he goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you, neither forsake you. Fear not, neither be dismayed. I pray this ironic blessing now over everyone that hears this podcast, all our families and loved ones, for the frontline staff and our essential services, and especially for the patients and staff in nursing homes. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom. In Jesus' name, amen.